Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we talk to guests who share interesting new ideas, challenging ideas, and just ideas that can help you to form your own thinking. We have a really really great guest on the show today, Carol Sanford. And she's not only funny, brilliant, full of energy and so forth, she's actually super well-established. I don't know, Randy, what would you call her? I would call her the real deal. She has more decades of experience than many of our listeners have been alive. And it's really interesting. She has a, a revolving door concept that you really need to think about. And she has a fabulous six-word summary of generational regeneration and growth in business. It's really remarkable when you talk to somebody who, when you say things, they say, that's great. Thanks for saying that. But let's look at it upside down, right? So she's, she's that kind of thinker, that kind of speaker. And, you know, after the interview, um, we, we talked with her just for a few minutes and she talked about thought leader. And she thought about the fact that she doesn't actually like being called a thought leader. She prefers to be a thinking leader. So very interesting. So here's the interview with Carol Sanford. Well, Carol, you're outfit uh, speaks volumes, the, the hat, the glasses, the jacket. When did you start doing, doing the red glasses? Well, I think the first time I had to get glasses, which was, I don't know, 30 years ago, maybe. And I was sitting looking at what the options were. And I thought, those are really boring. And there was one pair of rectangle glasses. And I thought, that's me. <laughs> and this was back when you were five years old. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so your your reputation precedes you. You've done a, a bunch of things. Let's start out with what does regenerative mean to you, uh, yeah. regenerative business? Because there's so many people out there kind of, I don't want to say hustling, but sort of yeah. hucking a certain thing. Or, But you're, you're an innovator in this space. I'd love to hear it from you, what it means. Well, first, I started using the term 45 years ago, about the time I started red glasses. And that's because I learned it through my uh, half Mohawk grandfather as I was growing up. And it's most people are using it as the new hot word as the substitute for sustainability, etc. What I mean is the living system indigenous view. And it has six words. Let me say I'm slow. The first two are evolved capacity. So most people mean do something when they say regeneration, restore a wetland in a business you're going to buy from the right kind of people. For me, regeneration is about building capacity for others to do what they're seeking to do or a watershed seeking to do what it is. The second two terms are essence expression. That's always missing, always. I have yet to hear one person who understands 
that every living system has an essence. So there are no two watersheds, actually I call them life sheds, that are alike. Each has its own distinctiveness. Each business does. When I start with a business and with a leader, we start with a an essence discovery or reveal. Like E.I. DuPont, who built DuPont as we did that, we realized that he had always been about managing risk. He made dynamite, gunpowder, and then many other things. The expression of essence is what you're trying to help an entity do. And if you have children, you know that no two of your children are alike or their nieces and nephews. They're all different. One way of describing that in some depth is their essence, and you want to help them express it. So regenerative business helps each employee, each customer, each stakeholder express their essence through giving them more capacity. Last two words, system actualization. Most people in business and the business itself think a lot about self-actualization, helping individuals do that, the business itself do that. For me, you're not talking about regeneration unless you're talking about helping a system become what it can become. So a region like uh, take a city like San Francisco or like Google or like Numi T, each of those has its essence and it is a system you're serving. So regeneration is about evolving the capacity of the other in the expression of its essence in the context of a whole system becoming healthier. Now, did you get all that ready for the test? <laughs> so these are really interesting words that you've created. Uh, with 40, 45 years of experience behind you, yeah. you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. You've written books. You've started businesses. You've helped many, many businesses grow very quickly. And I'm suspecting that these six words evolved over that period of time. I want to ask you to make it even simpler for us. If one of our listeners is starting to grow their business, what's the most important thing that they should watch out for right now? All right. So the first thing is regeneration is not about simple. And anybody who says they want to get simpler talking about something else, not regeneration, because it's very hard work. So what they have to watch out for is dumbing down to what they already know and translating a very different paradigm, a very different concept to what their business is about. So I tell people, well, and where I start with the business is starting with their essence. Most people don't. They start with market research. Go find out what people out there uh, are doing, what people say they want. People don't know what they want. Steve Jobs is famous for don't ever ask people what they want. They don't know. So give up that idea. A lot of what I'm going to say to watch out for at the beginning is things to give up. In Chapter 5 in Regenerative Business says, there are 30 toxic practices. One of them is incentives, rewards, feedback. The real challenge is letting go of all that old stuff, like make it simple. Give me one thing. When I leave here, I want one thing to do. Then you really don't want to know about regeneration. How's that, Randy? I, I love it. Um, so I have to tell you, Carol, that for years and years and years, one of the things I've been explaining to people is that market research is the worst waste of money you can ever find. Yep. 
and that the only form of market research that is actually valuable is when somebody pulls money out of their pocket and pays you for what you got. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably the closest there is. There's yeah. a study that I cite in The Responsible Business, a book I wrote 14, 15 years ago, that Harvard Research did that showed that people who built products off of market research, 85% of the time did not succeed. Correct. Those deeply knew their customers lived in their world, which is a, an aspect of which is what are people spending money on, which you're referencing, Randy. But the real thing is you have to learn. It, it's When you do market research, it's like, you going to your wife or partner and saying, give me a list of things you want for your birthday. I'm sorry, I don't know you well enough to know what would please you, what would lift up your life, what I could do. Would you just give me a list? That's market research. Customers don't want to have you asking them. They want you to be their strategist, their R&D department, and to transform their life in a way they didn't even think of. So just, just building on that, a relatively recent survey that I read about. Now I don't also I also don't put a lot of good strength <laughs> on surveys, but because people lie. But in a recent survey, something like eighty-five percent of startups that failed said the problem was product market match. They just didn't have it. Now of those, a large percentage of those people had done market research to to yeah. build a product that was going to fit the market, but A people lie and B people don't know what they want. Whereas the real reason for for company failure, I believe, is just lack of cash. They just ran out of money before they actually create anything of any value. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I have a couple. One is I call the real growth business. What I help people learn to do with their business is get an essence-to-essence match. Mm -hmm. And that means I understand, you understand your life partner and you understand you, you know what you can bring to that that will make it work. In a company, like for example, um, Seventh Generation, a company here in the States that we grew 35 to 65% over five years in revenue growth, where they had barely been breaking even up until then for 20 years. What we saw was that Seventh Generation's essence was about transparency. I mean, that's weird. Why does that have to do with soap and baby products? Well, it turns out their buyer nodes, I call them, one of them was natural parent. The essence of a natural parent is safety and security for a, a newborn and young child. Seventh generation created a whole market, a brand around, you will know everything that's in our products. It's not required by law to put ingredients, but you will know everything. You will know how we work, how we make these. We will have everything transparent. We did the same thing with helping a group of uh, Hispanic women co-ops. And the whole idea was to build this essence-to-essence connection and so it didn't, in research, you can never find the match. You have to create the match. And I agree with you on surveys. It's not just that people lie. They actually don't know what they want. And we don't know how to listen. So that process is broken, just like it's broken in a marriage. So, Carol, uh, it's really fun to listen to your passion and, 
and clarity. Were were you the kind of kid that would would sort of you know walk ahead of the group of kids and and sort of say, all right, everybody, this direction? Or if I were to meet you at I don't know five, six, seven, eight years old, what what kind of kid were you? Well, first, I was punished by being put in a closet continuously for being a contrarian. My father was a very racist man. We'll make this very graphic for you. And I had uh, Mexican friends who were all young. I was four, five, six years old. And I never could understand his racist mind. So I argued with him all the time about he was wrong. He was so determined to break my spirit, he locked me in a closet for hours, hours at a time. If you followed me anywhere, including now, you can hear this in me right now. I am always going against the grain, not because I want to. It's painful. I'm in trouble all the time because I saw something even from a young age other people couldn't see. And people would follow the path and uh, be indoctrinated and go wherever they were going to go. I was constantly the kid sent to the principal's office and study hall, not because I was misbehaving, but because I disagreed with the teacher. I was thrown out of college courses because I disagreed. And it wasn't because I just wanted to disagree. I never saw the world the way other people did. So, no, I wasn't leaving the pack. I was saying, you're on the wrong path. You're, you're not seeing what, how the world really works. You need to work on your thinking and work on what you're seeing. So starting when I was very young, you would have seen that and probably told my dying day. That's what you'll see. Do you think, do you think you inherited that through your lineage? Is it something that a grandparent had? Is it something you, you just, it's just happened to be part of you? It's my, it's my essence. Each of us is born and evolved some kind of essence. Mine is, disrupt certainty so people constantly get attachments and identification become certain about things that aren't true from a young age i did that now my grandfather my part mohawk grandfather nurtured that because he understood that kind of work he's the one who gave me the name the positive contrarian he gave that to you he did that's amazing the reason I want you to think of yourself as a positive contrarian is you're not just going against the grain. You're trying to give people a better view, a better understanding, a better capability. So you're doing this out of a love, and you can't not do it because it's who you are. So, Carol, you were a disruptor long before, long decades before being a disruptor became cool. Yeah, it's true. And I was... I didn't understand it for many, many years. I write a lot of this story in my most recent book about my father and his uh, Ku Klux Klan work and my grandfather in his Mohawk uh, indigenous view. And what a gift that was. Because although I was terribly disrupted, I'm still claustrophobic. You put me anywhere tight like a closet. But that's the only, I think, real damaging part of what happened because what it did is somehow with my grandfather in the mix, who was constantly asking, check your own uh, understanding, check, look at your own life. How does it work for you? 
make sense out of your experience, not out of what others tell you. Don't get trapped in the social words that are out there. And my grandfather would always make me see, he would say, now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm going to ask you to tell me what you see. Like he'd ask me silly questions. Like what's the purpose of a pig's life? Because he raised pigs and he was taking whatever was around us. And then, you know, I would give an answer, which was I was young, young, preteen. And then he would give me his answer. And I would want to adopt his answer. And he would say, no, do not adopt my answer. Argue with my answer, not to argue with me, but in your own thinking. And he would make me build a capability to do that. I ended up paying for my way through college on debate scholarships. And people always said about my debating that I never debated the person. I was one of the few they knew debated the idea and was really working on expanding my own thinking. When I write books, it's to teach me because I make myself ask a question in the book I don't know the answer to. I don't believe in experts. I believe in a learning process. So hopefully I'm not getting us off of where you're trying to go here, Randy. Is that where you wanted me to um, target my thinking? I I love the fact that you you think differently. We we live in a time where people are not they're told they should think differently, but they're encouraged yeah. to think what they're taught. Right. I grew up in an era where I was actually just like you was encouraged to find my own thoughts and find my own ideas, even if uh. the educators disagreed with them. I was encouraged to stick to them and to understand why I had them. So you and I are, are similar in that regard. And I think if I was to pass something on to my grandchildren right now, it would be follow that path. Learn how to think for yourself, even if everybody else disagrees with you. And I wish we had that as a part of schools. Schools teach to the test, yeah. right? And your boss teaches to the dogma or to the mission or whatever. There's something right. you're supposed to reference. Not your own, and my work is about building frameworks to overcome mental models. So, mental models are what we're all supposed to learn. Frameworks are a way to disrupt that. And learning how to be a resource to yourself, to other people, to educate them and bring them into their own discovery process is the work we need everywhere now, which mm -hmm. you're talking about doing with your grandson. Absolutely. Yeah. So if I were, Carol, if I were to ask you, um, if we look at the metaphor of the world right now, or every, every individual in the world, uh, including entrepreneurs, including minorities, including majorities, including all countries, everyone is in the closet, that metaphorical closet. I mean, this mm -hmm. has been a crazy time and nobody knows what's going to happen. So what I find fascinating, just thinking about you and the closet mm -hmm. is saying, well, what are you going to do in the closet? It's dark. You're going to sit there. You're going to, you're going to dream. You're going to imagine. You're going to think. You're going to craft. But then when you come out, what do you do with it? So I'm, I'm curious, kind of almost to close us here, we do quick, punchy interviews. What do, you, what, what do we do now that the world is, the, the individuals are emerging from the closet? All right. So first, nothing's that linear. You're not in the closet and then out. You are in and out of the closet 100 times a day. And what's go what I encourage people to do is build up 
strength to be able to be conscious in a moment. So you can think while you're in action. You can, and to do that, you have to learn to think through frameworks. And if anyone wants, I will be glad to uh, offer some papers. People can read about this. You can go look at one of my websites, uh, the Regenerative Paradigm Institute, and you can learn about how to do that. But they're kind of like at the beginning, you learn to reflect on what you're doing, how it's working after the fact. Most of us don't reflect after the fact. Then you get better and you can do it in time. So it's not, I'm in the closet and now so it's like I'm noticing that I'm mentally in a closet as I walk through life. I'm asleep. I'm not thinking. And eventually we can pre-think and be ready to go into a conversation with people and say, how do I want to think about this? Who do I want to be? I do that when I'm going on a podcast. and uh, Otherwise, I will tend to follow the lead of the person who's interviewing me and not remember what's important. So I give myself an aim prior to. So you can do all of those. And what it is, a way of saying it, Kent, is we live in a closet, or as Plato called it, the cave. Or whether you ever read the, the story of the caves, the shadows on the wall, and we can't tell their shadows because we can't see the puppeteer. So our work is to learn to be awake and get us out of a closet with good thinking in how we live our life every day, every minute. So I've, I've never thought about the closet or the cave as having a revolving door. I think that's a, a very interesting and very astute observation. So as we close this out, Carol, how can people find you? Well, I have a, a very self-centered website. It's carolsenford.com. So, and there you can go and you can find all my books, my podcasts, uh, blogs, uh, and so forth. You also can get to my business websites with the stories about what I did in DuPont, what we're doing in Google and the innovation labs. And you also can get there for individuals, for change agent communities. In fact, I have one in Deep Pacific. I have one in Europe. I have people out of Japan. That's called seedcommunities.com. But all of it starts on carolsanford.com. Such a pleasure to chat with you, Carol. Um, clearly a thought leader uh, in so many places. and. The blast uh, about talking with you is that I imagine any conversation will go a different direction. That's the fun of it. Exactly. And that's what makes life rich. Absolutely. So thank you for your time, Carol. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon. I hope so. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, thank you, Carol. You've certainly challenged my thinking. You've certainly challenged how we today should be thinking about business, how we should be thinking about the essence of our own business and the essence of our customers. Also, I love the, the idea that people should wake up every day and reinvent and rethink and reprocess and, and be grateful and happy and excited and move forwards uh, and i think the way that carol talks about business and life is remarkable and should inspire us to be you know great people and great business people so let's stop taking on other people's thoughts and let's start understanding our own 
and debating ourselves to make sure we do understand what we think. If you'd like to, you know, catch some of the upcoming interviews, um, we'll have some amazing interviews like this one with Carol Sanford, and we'll have terrible ones as well. I won't tell you who those are with, but you'll have to, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you can come, you can subscribe uh, to our podcast and, and um, get all of those as they come through. And if you want to know anything more about Dr. Canton myself, you can go to our website, thoughtpartnergroup.com and there's actually a little uh, button up on the top right hand corner which if you click on that you can get to do an assessment that we will look at it'll take about a minute to fill it in we'll look at it we'll respond as quickly as we can take care have a great day have a great life and we'll see you on the next one Mm -hmm.